for me, I wouldn't say quite agile delivery, but much more iterative delivery. I mean, if you'd asked me that question maybe a few years ago, I would be like, no, we need to do it once, do it right. Welcome to Modern Business Operations, where we talk with leaders about how ops is adapting to our modern world. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Modern Business Operations. Today, I have the pleasure of hosting Parisa, which is the Vice President of Operations in ServiceNow. Thank you so much for joining me today. Wonderful to be here. So, so nice to be speaking with you. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. Thank you. My name is again the CEO and founder of Tonkin. And every week we talk with leaders in operations and our listeners love to learn of how business and technology runs and how they improve and what is considered modern. So I like to start with, you know, tell us a little bit about your journey. How did you end up being with ServiceNow and, and running operations for them? Oh, gosh. So maybe I'll take the few steps back. I've been in technology for two decades now, and I got the operations bug very early. I'm an engineer by background, but and was asked to take something from an R&D into operations and scale it. And I noticed that none of the engineers wanted to do that. They just sort of run away, put my hand up, and then that was it. I started really getting the operations bug, which is, hey, how do you take something, a concept, and really make it available, mass across different continents, different geographies, different customers. And I was at Cisco for almost 18 years, learned a ton, did pretty much a lot of operational code to cash roles. So really learned that functional depth. Then was at VMware, running commerce there and operations as well and, and supporting the sales community as well in that whole process. And I actually am in global operations and service now. It's been tremendous. It's coming up to two years. And I uh, within global operations, I run new product introduction, pricing strategy, corporate strategy, and also the pricing operations that goes in with that. So it's it's been a, a wild ride. So I'm here really actually in a little bit of a nuanced operational role. It's leveraging some of the earlier stuff that I did in my career. So how to launch products and how to make them successful and you know solve customer problems. You know, it's amazing. And I've been seeing this so many times is how fundamental operations are and how different, you know, it's like everyone knows what sales is, you know, sales yeah. is sales is sales. <laughs> right, and right. Marketing is marketing and marketing, but operations is... is What do they do, right? Yeah, what do they do? <laughs> and I think also it changed a lot in the last, you know, decade or, or, or That's two. That's right. What have you seen, you know, going through this for a bit now? You know, it's really interesting when I think about operations, I sort of see us as kind of the veins of the company that basically makes sure that the entire body is getting the right blood, the right oxygen, and without which the company kind of falls apart. So I'm a little biased because I think that if you do operations well, it serves as really catapulting the company strategy. And so it's the threat, right? You know, how do you, if you think about all the way from opportunity all the way to you know, collecting cash, each of these things need to be connected and integrated and work so that, you know, you're really delivering the operating model of the company to to manage its business, right? So in a very simplistic way, that's sort of how I, I would look at it. I think what's been really super interesting is just how and where operation leaders play. Like if you had asked me 
a decade ago. Hey, what are, what are the focus areas for operational leaders? I think there was a lot of, well, are we getting any cost efficiencies by you know outsourcing? Are we getting cost efficiency or productivity from digital transformation? So there was a lot of focus on efficiency, productivity, and uh, and maybe a little bit of just scaling to different regions in the world. You know, really getting the advent of you know the internet and and just being able to do everything on the web. As I look at where operational leaders are sort of pivoting and moving towards, because of our knowledge of our end-to-end, right? When you think about that whole stitching of that end-to-end operating model, operations has that vantage point that no other, I mean, again, I'm biased, but no other function really has. And so we've been asked much more to be involved and engaged and even in lead some of the efforts around how do we serve our customers better? What do our customers really know? Because we're involved in those different moments of truth, right? I guess a colleague of mine was mentioning it as moments that matter, right? Like, hey, you know, as you come into how a customer wants to consume with us, where are the really important intersections that go well and don't go well? And so I, I sort of see that as being a very integral part of enabling the customer expectation and also delivering the customer expectation. So that's one. And the second is, of course, you couldn't ignore the fact that, hey, a lot of operational leaders have to think through, well, different monetization models mean different ways of operating. It's not a one size fits all. You know, if you were hardware before and now you're going into software, what does that mean? What does that mean to your operating model? And that has been the biggest kind of focus area of that pivot. What does that mean? We need to figure that out. And that's been sort of super interesting. You touch on like three different points that I <laughs> massive, massive believer in. I'm almost trying to think where to start. <laughs> yes, but, yes. This is uh, this is we need more than 20 minutes, but well, let's tackle it. Let's tackle it. <laughs> no, it's really it really is true though. One concept that I very, very deeply believe in is that if you're trying to kind of explain operations from the from the rest of the function of the business, a lot of times we think about work as an execution thing like things you need to do you need to build you need to sell you need to market and operation is almost like the it's almost like in a different layer that's the kind of interest point that you talked about but how do you um coordinate and and plan and and architect the entirety of quote-unquote work and not only the execution part of it and and this is kind of where operations become the right-hand person of of the respected leader. If it's the CEO, then it's the COO. But if it's like within departments, a lot of times they they be like the right hand man because it's it's the strategy and architecture of the end to end, and that's kind of you know the first point. Um, and when you think about the customers, maybe I'll, I'll bundle those two points. And the second point you made on the customer, when you do think about the customer, I think we've all sort of lived through the last you know, I want to say even 15 years transition from customers live within a certain point of interaction to understanding that the experience of the customer goes through the entirety of of their engagement with you. So it's no longer that if you go to a store and you're being nice with a person, that's enough. Like they, you know, what, what they see you do online, the ads they see, the, how the delivery and the refund, you know, all of those points matter and they're this sort of like holistic end-to-end experience. And that's, again, where on the point of view of any part of that process, 
you might be doing really well, mm-hmm. but on the on the end to end, and again, that's where you need that next layer. And I think that's sort of like where I see why operations became so much stronger as a function in the last decade. Gosh, so, so you, you touched on a couple of things, which I think is really important. One is, sure, there's an execution element to being in operations, of course, right? Orders need to be booked, bills need to be sent, cash needs to be collected. So, or And then, of course, at the front end, quotes need to be submitted into orders. And by the way, astonishingly, so many companies don't do that very well. <laughs> so, <laughs> so there's that. I sort of look at those as rudimentary but critical foundational capabilities that you need to have end-to-end. Astonishingly, as I mentioned, a lot of companies sort of assume that a hodgepodge of disconnected systems will then have come together in a cohesive way. And so I have a lot of respect for companies who really have taken a step back and say, hey, that's job number one. Did you figure that out? Job number two, though, which is what you're highlighting is beyond the fact that, you know, we've got this end-to-end view can we enhance and have a vantage point that no one else has? Because what we, we sort of almost see that end-to-end. So we know the interdependencies of, hey, if you do this, you really are really jeopardizing the customer experience at the tail end. I may not even own it, but because I have that vantage point where I've seen that end-to-end. So I have found that experience and folks who have worked maybe in larger companies and then go to smaller companies because they want to build the muscle of agility because that's that's the thing like hey scale the company but also be agile sometimes they send they they're almost like oxymorons of each other they underestimate how much they've learned around that wow you know how to stitch this together so that we can actually you know let me give you a word that gets thrown out a lot when we talk about scaling companies at the core of scaling a company at the nucleus of it, you need an operational leader that looks at things end to end. So I sort of look at that as our call to action, you know, for the next decade, because as companies are like, wow, I'm super successful. I've got these wonderful product, but I need to make a million more of them. And by the way, my customer base has expanded. And by the way, I need to have now an assurance and a consistency. Now that scale for me is kind of the, where the sweet spot, where we're like, Oh, we've done that before. This, we know what it takes. We also know what not to do as well because we've got all the bruises as well. So I, I sort of see that as an interesting problem. Like, you know, what I get from really new muscle that operational leaders have to learn is, hey, as you go into much more agile product delivery, as you think about being much more responsive to customers' needs because that's what they need. It's sophisticated. It's from the time of discovery to delivery of that experience, they, they want it fast. Wow, okay, you don't have three quarters to figure out how to re-architect. So that's been the nice tension of, okay, how do you bring that discipline of, oh, we got to get some stuff done right. You just can't take four quarters to do that. And so that's been, for me, the the journey of building new muscle, even for me as an operation leader. This is interesting, almost prediction. Do you think that we're going into sort of the next phase of operation that is actually bringing in those concepts of agile product delivery to sort of like quote unquote agile operations or you know Ooh, that I type that. of uh, gosh we should we should totally you know copyright that Sagi I, I like that <laughs> okay so gosh there's so much there I think the biggest thing the biggest aha for me as you 
as I've grown through kind of maybe kind of more of the mature companies who've been around longer and are maybe considered slower. And and really one of the things that I was passionate about is like, oh, I've got to learn how to, you know, you know, be equally effective and impactful in a large company as you are might be in a smaller company or kind of a maybe a smaller base. But let me tell you what I've learned. I think the the thing that everyone in larger companies that is running operations should be learning and should be looking and testing that muscle is, hey, the bias for action is if you literally don't deliver that product and that impact or that change, you will lose the TAM, you will lose the market share. And so that sense of paranoia and time to market really is something that hopefully makes operational leaders better because for me, I, I wouldn't say quite agile delivery, but much more iterative delivery. I mean, if you'd asked me that question maybe a few years ago, I would be like, no, we need to do it once, do it right, right? For example, hey, if you're flying a plane, it needs to be done right, okay? Because you have people that are humans that are flying that plane. But how often is it really that example where it's got to be do it right first time? And so everything you need to do to have that level of quality assurance and completeness to, you know what? We're testing this, you know, you know, this platform out or this product out. If we get 70% of it right, let's move forward and then we can maybe iterate on what else we can perfect. And that I think absolutely is, if you will not survive if you don't have that muscle built in. And that, that for me is a differentiator. This episode is brought to you by Tonkin. Tonkin is the operating system for business operations, providing businesses with the building blocks to orchestrate any process with no code or change management required. Contact us at tonkin.com to learn how you can build complex processes fast. And if you're interested in staying up to date on all things business operations, join the Adaptive Ops community at operations.community. I think you'll agree with the last two years more than anything else has pushed that concept further because that equivalent of, you know, building the plane or like planning how to do it for six months and then implementing it for another year and then testing it for another six months and then two years passed and you're just in the first iteration of it. I think what the last two years showed us and are still showing us is that you don't know. Things can change in a global scale that would make this entire thing obsolete before it even, you know, left, left the ground. And so not to say that that means that you need to be reckless, not at all, yeah. But if you are iterative, as, as you mentioned, then you can actually learn faster and you can see, okay, is this actually aligned? But it also, you become more adaptive because then if mm-hmm. stuff did change, mm-hmm. unforeseeable things that you didn't actually consider, maybe your, you know, employee base is going to be remote now. <laughs> you know, right, it doesn't have to right. be like external stuff, but like the, now you have the flexibility, you have the muscle for flexibility. Right, right. You know, you, you touch on something, Saeed, that I think I want to expand on, and it's actually almost triggered a thought. When I think about really great operation leaders, you know, those whom I admire or those hopefully that, you know, the, the competencies that I'm trying to build in myself, there's an element of cross-functional nature and understanding when you have enough information to make informed iteration, and then you have making informed uh, recommendations and risks, right? So as I think about, yes, we need to be agile. The reason why I sometimes react negatively to that is that 
agile without knowing all the boundaries of risk is just recklessness, right? Mm-hmm. So what I think, again, this is where operational leaders, with the challenge of the 2.0 version or the 3.0 version is, okay, it's, you know, get the right enough answer out the door for things that are not bounded by it. And the way you get to know which ones you can get out the door and there's not enough risk and which ones absolutely need to go through that process rigor into an assessment, you need to have worked in some of these functions. And so I guess my recommendation for anyone listening to this is, you know, it's it was really quite hard being in different functions in, in, my, in my operational career. Uh, but I did it purposely. Like I literally went and worked in finance and I worked there for a couple of years. I worked in service and logistics. I worked in supply chain. I worked in uh, customer service, ran that. And, and every time you start a new function, there's a different persona. They have different risk profile, different cares about. But I can tell you, I can't, the number of times I have leveraged like Oh, that's what would a CFO think about? What does a CEO think about? What does a CIO think about? What does a chief customer officer think about? I believe, you know, when I'm making these recommendations, it's like, okay, I'm not really taking my current position's role. I'm actually taking that, oh, I know end to end, he would care about this, she would care about that. And so that would be, I guess, where I want to like anchor is operational leaders cannot just have done one function. You've got to really have spent the time so that you're not reckless with your recommendations and you're really thinking through that. I guess I wanted to point that out because you just triggered it. I'm like, oh, you know, that's a really it sounds like, important point. It sounded to me like you're saying, you need to be able to understand the terms and concepts and logic of- And considerations, and considerations, yeah, right? And care about. Yeah. To multidisciplinary type of approach, but also the empathy. Right. And so like, you know, have the empathy to kind of understand that this is because you're in that point of view that, you you know, you see how everything is connected. But if you don't think about what drives the different people and parts in it, then, you know, one thing I actually wrote quite a lot about is the difference between company ROI, which is what we always talk about, and a personal ROI, yeah. which is actually very rarely align. <laughs> and, <laughs> and if you're trying to design something to improve a company ROI or, or um, organization ROI, you have to consider what is the personal ROIs of each function and individuals within that function to support your initiative. Because if that does not align, then you can plan it a 10 time over, people are just not going to do it. Oh, and so that. you kind of came that. to it from a different direction, which I love which is you have to understand. Yeah. Yeah. I'll give you a funny story about that. And maybe it's not so much personal ROI, but understanding where they're coming from. And again, as operational leaders, your position should be informed end to end. Your position should be holistic. And the way you learn those positions, you have knowledge about those positions. So I remember when I first started working in finance that we were doing a massive digital transformation, which I knew heart and heart would make things more productive, more seamless, more connected. I mean, all the good stuff, all the yes, yes, yeses. I remember sharing, setting up a meeting with the chief accounting officer at the time and, and sharing the roadmap and my excitement. And I think 15 minutes in, I could see he was visibly scared about everything that I was literally worried, like this woman. And I sort of had to take his pause back, went to the restroom. I said, I'll need to go get a cup of tea. And I came back. I'm like, what's going on? And I realized 
you know, when you think about the persona of where that person's coming from, they are judged, managed, rewarded on predictability, consistency, no surprises, very little unknowns. And here I am basically saying, going to turn everything upside down, all goodness. And so, you know, almost the conversation had to change to, hey, when I think about, you know, doing your job really well, what are the care about you? Because there's an operational component there, there's a digital component there. And now, I mean, years later, I was in a meeting with my operational leaders and actually product engineering. And I was actually representing almost, without knowledge, a finance role. Uh, because I knew like, no, we can't do that because I know this is something that will impact them. So um, I think the empathy part is a really important part. It's like everyone plays a role in that ecosystem. Learn that. Don't be too arrogant to think that you know it. And in fact, you'll be f- way more powerful as a result of knowing that and, and hopefully a better leader as a result too. I think that's um, an amazing piece of advice. I think a lot of companies, at least that I've you know had experience talking to, understand and this is a great you know big part of why we're you know doing this podcast and 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 these initiatives is to try to help bring more of those experiences and more of those uh, point of views because a lot of companies do uh, understand the importance of investing in operations and elevating that role i'm kind of curious Hopefully not too much of a curveball to you, but <laughs> yeah, go is, right. where, where are you going with this? I actually like how you framed it up. So I'm very curious. <laughs> so if there's a person that is looking for a career change or a person that is looking for, or maybe even a, a you know, a kid that is, or, 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 or a parent that have a kid and whatever it is that are thinking about operations as a career path. And I think, you know, most often they're not, it's, career change, um, although, you know, there are people that start from there. What is the one piece of advice for them to be successful? We talked about empathy. We talked about, you know, a lot of things. That, I think there's a lot of really, really good things to learn from this conversation. If you need to kind of summarize it with, if you like to do this type of things, you should really consider a, a career in operations. How, how would you, how would you describe that? You know, First of all, fantastic question. I'm going to pause a little bit because, gosh, of course you should choose operations. I would start with that because uh, here's why. Here's why. The reason why I, I call myself an operations junkie is because operations is strategic. Operations has direct impact. There's not many roles. Sure, you can go as much as I love doing my functional roles and I learn so much from them. When you can say, hey, we went from taking a thousand orders a day to 100,000 orders. When you think about the Amazon model of logistics, that's pure operations, like, you know, realized. I mean, that is magic happening. Like, hey, how do we get a product in someone's hand the same day or the next day based on a marketplace? Now, of course, there's a technology enabled there. But if you look at how that entire operating model is supported, it's an operational model that was supported by operational leaders that built it. So, what I find is why operations is because you literally can have the aperture of what problem and across the company do you want to solve? And you have that and you can take it on and, and have an impact. So I think that's the reason why I love it because you're not sort of contained to play to your position, right? You really have that aperture that's larger. So 
there's no room to get bored. There's just so much to do and so much to 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 play at. I think where I would say can maybe certain disciplines. Now, for me personally, I'm a chemical engineer, and I found that there's a whole kind of the discipline of chunks of work and how they connected. I do think that it's important that you sort of start getting some grinding, you know, work and disciplines and and experience that really teach you that. So start with, hey, you know, just hey, maybe the front end system or the front end process of how do sales sell, right? And then how do those orders get supported in the mid in the mid section of the operations? And then and at the tail end, when customers have bought it, how are they receiving the products and how are they getting supported if they have any issues? So I would say try and get yourself into any of those three buckets and and really learn. There was I'm trying to think through who was the company. It's the Hoover company, but it's not Hoover. But essentially every executive that joined their staff has to do a whole week in operations to learn from beginning to end how things actually flow, how things actually work. And I thought, wow, what a powerful, I mean, that's how important it is, where they literally, it doesn't matter what level you're at, you need to do a week where you're kind of understanding that flow. So I would give the same advice as pick one of those three disciplines. And, you know, if it's sales operations, if it's in, you know, be it in order management or be it in pricing and quoting, Yet even in finance, finance gives you an incredible amount of knowledge around just that full ecosystem, or of course, service logistics and servicing the customer at the, at the tail end. Any of those will give you a really good experience. But look at me. I mean, I was a chemical engineer and I went into a tech company and just really tried to decompose problems and using some of my disciplines that I learned, you know. So That's it really great. is possible. Sincerely, it is. This is great. It's it's solving hard problems. I think it's what it comes down to. I love it. This was fantastic conversation. <laughs> I, I I really enjoyed it. If someone wants to reach out, talk to you, or ask, you know, continue the conversation, where is the best place? LinkedIn, Twitter. I do respond to LinkedIn, and so yes, but definitely reach out to me on LinkedIn. I really do a lot of, you know, the biggest part of my job and most you know pleasure I get is connecting with other, you know, upcoming leaders and upcoming, you know folks who want to just get into operations. So I will, if I don't know how to connect you to the right person, I'll definitely find someone who does, but I love connecting with like-minded folks. So please reach out. I'd love to hear from you. And then also if there might be topics of discussion that we should be th- focusing on the next podcast. How about that, Sagi? <laughs> <laughs> that sounds perfect. And I'm very Thank intrigued uh, to do that again as well at some point. Thank you so much. That was a pleasure. It was lovely speaking with you. Thank you for your insightful questions. I learned a lot too. Cheers. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Modern Business Operations. You can see the show notes and all of the resources mentioned in today's episode at talking.com slash M-B-O-P-O-D. Thank you for listening and be sure to subscribe for updates on future episodes.